0: Awesome, how you guys doing tonight, good? Excellent, man, I'm excited about tonight and uh, I'm excited about the word that God's given me to uh, preach to you guys and uh, I really believe that you'll get something out of it tonight and uh, as your heart starts to be unlocked, amen. How many love movies? Yep, how many love uh, action movies? Yep awesome how many love to sit at an action movie and you think man you know like Braveheart or 300 or um the gladiator or the patriot or you know transformers these kind of movies where it's like one person taking on everybody man how many people like those movies yeah how many after you've seen that movie you sit there and you think you're all amped up you're all excited you know you've just been oh man I could do this man I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna change the world how many people come out of the movie thinking like that Awesome, the rest of you people aren't putting up your hands alone, because I'm sure I do anyway, and I come out of there, and I think, man, I'll tell you, man, if he can do it, so can I, so I stand in front of the mirror, and, uh, you know, look at myself, and, oh, hang on a minute, there's one problem, I'm not as muscly, I'm not as good looking, I'm not trained in the arts, as what these guys are, man, I'm so doomed, no, who likes some Transformers where the dude's in his car, he's trying to impress the girl, and he's like, look at my light. Actually, it's this way. Look at my light. And he's trying to show her big muscles, and he hasn't got any. I love that scene because that's so me down to the T, I tell you. You know, I did that to my wife, tried to impress her. I did it to her the other day, actually, and she laughed. She thought it was really funny. So, and I've already got her, so I'm still trying to impress her. So I tell you, thank you, Jesus, Holy Ghost. Well, tonight I'm talking about unlocking your hidden potential. And uh, you see, the thing is, is that when we look at movies, and we see this one person taking on the whole army and we think, far out, that's amazing. You know what? That's all good, but that's just the movie. But you know what? There are real people in the Bible who actually took on a whole army, who were totally outnumbered, who were totally had no chance. But as God came, their man, their everything broke. As God came, they brought victory. They brought freedom. Because you know why? Because there's a potential inside of every one of you sitting here tonight that God wants to unlock there's a potential, whether you believe it or not, inside of you that God wants to unlock tonight, as you would start to believe them. But the problem is is that people all over the world and, and all over Hawkes Bay are starting to look, what is life about? What am I here for? What am I living for? I'm, I, I want to be happy. I want to be loved. And they search all over the place. They look, at, look for it in drugs. They look for it in alcohol. They look for it in relationships. But the problem is, church, is that there are people destroying their life because they're looking for the answers to life in the wrong place. And you see, the, th- the problem is, is that even as Christians, we sometimes are looking, God, what is it that I'm meant to be doing? God, what is it that you've called me to do? What is it that you've called me to be? And as you're looking around and you're searching in the wrong places, then you start to get disappointed. But you see, there's a potential at birth that God placed. God says, I knew you before you were born. And there's a potential that God placed in you before you were born that He's ready and that He wants to unlock in your life if you're willing to search it out and find it. You know, I was was watching, um, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I was at home the other day at lunchtime, I was watching Dr. Phil, and uh, amen. That's what all good pastors do, I'm sure. You know, and uh, we laugh. You've watched Dr. Phil. No? All right, okay, it's just me. But anyway, I was watching Dr. Phil, and uh, T.D. Jakes was on it one time, I'll have you know. So uh, that was really cool. But I was watching Dr. Phil the other day, and I, was, and I was watching it, and he was interviewing two twins, okay? They were, I don't know how old they were, maybe 30 or something like that. And, uh, and they showed a, a picture of them, and, and they looked, you know, all stunning and beautiful and all that kind of stuff. But the problem was, was that they've both been got addicted to drugs. And as they talked through why they do drugs and don't they know that it's messing your life up one of them his husband was put in jail because of drugs and so she's still doing it and then the other one lost her kids because of drugs and uh and so here you got these people totally messed up and you look at them now one of them can hardly speak properly you you just must have messed up her brain or something because she can hardly you can't hardly understand her they don't look what they used to look before and it's like drugs has totally ruined it ruined their lives and and but the one statement that she made was this, I'm looking for happiness. Why do you do drugs? I'm looking for happiness. And I thought, man, people all over the world looking for happiness in the wrong things. If only they knew the potential that God had placed within them. If only they had someone say to them, you know what, man, I believe in you. You know what, man, there's a potential inside of you that God wants to unlock. You see, the thing about unlocking your potential is, firstly, you've got to know that there's a potential there. So if you don't believe that you've got potential in your life, you won't look, to, and you won't look for it you, and you won't look how to unlock it. And then you've got to get a key to unlock your potential. You know, how many people know at Christmas time when you're a little younger, some of you may do it, and you know you're going to get presents, so you know there's potential there for a great present. And you run around the house where mum and dad aren't there, looking through the cupboards, looking through the drawers, just ripping everything out, trying to find that, that present. Trying to find the key that will unlock the secret of where mum and dad hide the prison. Who remembers doing that when you were younger? How many actually found it? Some. Man, my mum's changed the hiding place every, all the time. You know, every year. It's like, oh man, new hiding place. And so the same thing is with your potential. When I think about potential in your life, you know, th- there's many people here, I believe, and you've looked at your life and you've thought, I don't actually like what I see. When I look at myself in the mirror, I don't like the way I look. I don't like the fact that I'm not very good at school. I don't like the fact that people, when they talk to me, they talk to me really mean and it makes me feel really sad. I don't like the fact that the way the world's going is it's all about image. It's all about clothes. It's all about having the right cell phone. It's all about having the right haircut. It's all about having the right car. It's all about having the right stuff. And you see, the problem with that is it's getting harder and harder in today's society to be able to do that. Because as we know, the the price of everything's going up. And there's just not that money to maintain the image that people think will help them, will make them happy and will bring happiness. You see, there are people here and you're sitting and, and, and there's depression. See, depression is, is growing. Suicide rates have grown. Because people are trying to look for happiness. Because people are trying to look for a potential that, that is in their life. They know, people know that there's something out there. People know that there's something I'm not just here to exist. I've got to be here to do something. But the problem is they look in the wrong places. You know, tonight I believe God wants to unlock some potentials in your life. Tonight I believe that God wants to, you, God wants to create a belief within inside you that you can be somebody, that you can do something, that you can make a difference. That there's a potential inside of you that God that God wants to unlock. That God has placed within every one of you who's sitting here tonight. You know, when I was at school. Man, I couldn't do school at all. I hated study. And so hence, I didn't do it. So did I do very well at school? Not really. And I used to hate English because I was scared of reading in front of people. I used to hate speaking in front of people. But you know what? God had placed a potential in my life. God had placed, placed an ability in my life and a gifting in my life, a call in my life to be one who would preach, to be one who would lead people, to be one who would do all the things that I didn't think I could do. God had placed the potential in me. And just because I wasn't any good when I was younger doesn't mean I stayed that way. Because you know what? As I started to believe, as I started to get a hold of God, as I started to stand on the word of God, as I started to say, God, I've got this potential inside of me. God, I've got this dream that I've been holding on to. God, God, through you, Father, Lord God, all things are possible in Jesus' name. You see, now, man, I'll talk in front of heaps of people. Now I don't care. I love to do it. It excites me to do it. Why? Because God had a hidden potential inside of my life, which is inside of you tonight. Every one of you. It's inside you. It's inside your family members. It's inside your friends at school. It's inside everybody, Christian or not, Christian or not. And you see, the problem is a lot of people never realize their potential until the day they die and they stand before Jesus Christ. Then all of a sudden, Jesus reveals to them, man, this is what I had for you to do. You did this, and I had this. What a tragic day that would be if that was us. Because you see, that's not just non-Christians. That's not just people who don't have a relationship with God. There's Christians who are just aimlessly walking around not doing what God has called them to do because of insecurity because of fear because of rejection because of depression because of a self-hate and the last thing friends that you want to do is stand before God and say yeah you did you did this much man I had so much more I had so much more see friends you got to live every day like it's your last you got to live every day like it's your last You've got to live every day like it's the last day because we don't know when God's coming. We don't know when you're going to die because, you see, Jesus died on the cross so that you could live life. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have a potential inside of you that would be birthed out of a relationship with God that would empower you to walk, that would empower you to see miracles, that would empower you to see people saved, that would empower you to start to encounter the spirit realm, that would empower you to start to get visions as you pray. See, your prayer life is not just about talking to God. It's about a relationship. It's about an encounter. See, there's things that God wants to share. Show you There's people that God wants to take you into heavenly realms and show you things that you can't see with your earthly eyes if you will only believe, if you will only stand, knowing the potential that is inside of you, knowing the potential. The problem is, is that there's, there's walls that we place up around our life to protect us because we've been so beaten up and so beaten down and so hurt that we'll place a wall up because there's no way I want to let anybody get close to me. But the problem is, friends, is if that wall remains... It hinders you from getting closer to God as well. See, the thing that you placed around your life to protect you from, from the outside also hinders the, allowing God to come into your life. Because if we won't allow people in, then we'll struggle to allow God in as well. If we hate the things that nobody sees, then we'll be embarrassed when God wants to knock on your door and say, friend, I want to become your best friend friend I want to come into those places that nobody sees oh but God I don't like it but God it's ugly but God you don't want to see what I see you know what friends God already sees it God already knows it's there because unfortunately he sees all he sees what you do in public he sees what you do in secret we don't but he does so you don't want to get to the end of your life And man, I missed it. You know, I was thinking back as I was preparing the message about some kids that we had in our kids ministry years ago. And and even at a young age, we could identify how much potential they had in their life. And the sad thing is now, they're nowhere near God. And that breaks my heart. You know, that makes me angry that the devil would rob them of of the destiny, of the plan, of the purpose that God would have in their life. You see, it should make us angry as well when we see it happen. It should make us angry as well when we see our friends being taken out because of the, because of the works of the enemy. It should make us angry when we see that the devil knocking on, on your friends' doors. Come on, just one little drink, just one little smoke, just, just one little relationship won't hurt. You know, church, you know, young people, you guys need to be the ones that will stand up and that you, that you will say to your friends, you don't need this. Because there's a potential inside of you that God will develop if you allow Him. See, we aren't—we can't be there all the time. They, they might not come on a Sunday. See, you young people that have got to get around your friends, man. You can't stay in your clicky groups. You can't stay just hanging out with your Christian friends because that's not what it's about. It's about winning the loss for Jesus. It's about winning the souls. It's about taking the, what the devil meant for, for, for evil and turning it around for good. See, when you see a young person leave this place and you haven't seen them for a week, two weeks, you need to be chasing them up. Adults, you need to be doing the same with people here, with your friends. You know, as parents, man, we've got a responsibility to maintain a good, heart attitude before the Lord. Because I've seen parents leave church out of an offense and their kids end up totally off the rails. And it wasn't even their kids' offense, it was their parents'. But because the parents left out of an offense, out of something they didn't like, the kids are nowhere near God now. You see, as parents, every parent here, you guys have a responsibility to maintain and develop the potential that's in your child's life. You have a responsibility God has given you. You should count it a privilege that God has given you such a beautiful child to be able to nurture, to be able to develop, to be able to to bring into the presence of God. And that's about also you walking right before the Lord. I've seen it. I've seen it more than once. Parents left out of an offense. Kids totally off the rails now. Tragic. And the kids won't even know why. Tragic. You see, I was singing about the whole thing about so often we settle for second best because we don't want to wait. You know, we're a generation of now. We're a generation that we must have it now. We must have, like I said, the best things now. But your problem is, is that we work that with God too. God, I want it and I want it now. But you know what? God doesn't always give it to us now. Sometimes God will give it to us now. But most of the times, God will allow it to just to stretch out to see what your heart attitude will be like. And I'll sing it about my two kids. We've got three now, but I am thinking about my two oldest ones, because uh, my other one's only two weeks old, and I haven't seen much of what he can do, except for sleep, cry, feed, and poop. So, not very exciting if you're a father yet. But my other two boys, my oldest one, man, he is just so not like me, you know, he's more like my wife, and uh, he loves making lists, and he loves you know, putting things in order, and, and, you know, he loves beating me up now, so that's really cool, making more of a man out of him, and, uh, and so he loves saving his money. He will see something that he likes. He'll be, Dad, how much is that? Man, that's 70 bucks. Sweet. We've just started giving them pocket money now, and so he's like, cool, how long will it take me to save $70? Well, son, at the rate you're going with the uh, $5 you get a month, uh, probably, yeah, yeah, well, it'll take a while. He's like, cool, as dad, if I save mine for 12 months I'll probably have this much that's right if you can save it for 12 months man I'll give you the rest because that is a huge achievement at six years old and so my son my oldest son he's like man he's willing to save okay to get the best thing but my youngest son oh he's totally different now he's a lot like me and, uh, and I, you know I'm very much the kind of person that I fall into the now category which I'm allowing God to do to just build that and strengthen that and develop that character flaw in my life and I've gotten better and I'll be, man, I want new clothes, so I'll go and get them. My wife's like, we don't have any money. God will provide, honey. God will provide, because God's a good God, and God wants me to be blessed, amen. And so uh, that's all right. But anyway, it doesn't quite fly with the missus very much. So, uh, so I've had to learn to develop the, uh, you know just in that area. But the thing is, is my young, <laughs> just crack the high, Alex, that's for you. And so anyway, my, my youngest son, my middle son now, I have to work on that. My middle son, he's like me in every way. He's a man's man. He loves to fight. He loves to eat pies. He loves pizza. He, You know, he he, man, he's so, oh, I love him so much. And I love my oldest too, but, you know, my youngest is so much. (laughs) Anyway. And so I'll take him to the shop, and he'll get his $4 pocket money because he's only four. And so he'll go, Dad, what can I buy with $4? Son, pretty much nothing these days. Back when I was a kid, man, you could buy so much for $4. That was so much money. But now, yeah, you might want to wait a month. But he's like, no, nah, Dad, I want to go to the warehouse and buy something now. So I'll take him to the warehouse. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, you, just, you ain't going to find much. It's just going to be rubbish. So he'll walk into the warehouse and he'll, he'll be like, I want that. That's $70. You can't have it. What about that? $50. Go lower. What about that? $20. $10. What about this? That's rubbish, man. You don't want that that's just junk, man, you'll play with that, for two hours, you won't want it anymore, and it'll be broken anyway at the end of the day, you don't want to buy that, I want to buy it, you don't want to buy it, I want to buy it, that's my money, I want to buy it, <sighs> man, so much, you know, what's on your life goes into your kids, I'm like, all right, I'm telling you, man, you don't... I want to buy it, okay, fine, man, he bought this thing, this army truck, and it was, I was like, what what is with this? It doesn't even have wheels. How can you ride an army tank without wheels? How can you push it along? I was like, oh, it must come like that because it was like two bucks. I went to the warehouse. They had the same toy there with wheels for the same price. I was like, oh, man. That's what happens when you buy rubbish. And anyway, he didn't know any different, but he never plays with it anymore. And so sometimes we're like that in our life where we'll settle for the second best. But unfortunately, the second best is never as good as the best. When you pay cheap it never pays off in the end. The more you pay, the better you get. And so that's the same with our life. As we start to allow God to work in us and we start to allow God to develop the potential and unlock the potential in our lives, then, you know, we will be, we'll get far more than what we could ever imagine. You know, people look at the kids' ministry now, I look at the kids' ministry now, and I think, man, I can't believe what we do now. I can't believe the favor on us, the leaders we've got, superstar, all that kind of stuff. And people look at it and think, man, your kids', your kids ministry is amazing. How would you do that? Let me tell you, it didn't, take it, it didn't happen overnight. It took eight years of kids pastoring, Eight years of working hard. Eight years of, of, of busting our guts without leaders. Eight years of having to do it all. Eight years of, and in and, and the eight years wondering, God, are you even here sometimes? You see, friends... People look and think, man, that's amazing. Yeah, praise God, it's amazing. But it's taken a hard effort and time. Time that sometimes you just want to give up. You know what? I heard that the average ministry or the average thing takes 10 years to develop well. 10 years. But unfortunately, unfortunately most people give up after two or three. Because it's only, it's only after the first five years it's like within that five-year period, if you're trying to build a ministry, i found within that five-year period, you've got to work on your team. Okay? It's all about just developing your leaders, working on your team, building the foundation, because if you don't have the foundation, man, nothing works. It'll just all fall over over time. So the first five years is about building a foundation, and then it's after that you start to see little by little things and God doing more and being able to do more. See, so it takes time, your potential in your life. As you start to allow God to move and work will take time. It won't happen overnight. I've got this, uh, I was reading in this book and it's, I'll just read this out to you. It's about a guy named uh, uh, Mallory who, uh, who wanted to climb Mount Everest. It says this. In the 1920s, a man named Mallory led an exp- expedition to be the first to climb Mount Everest. He attempted this feat on two separate occasions but failed. He went back to work assembling the best team of climbers available, the finest equipment in existence. They gave great attention to the details of the assignment, especially focusing on the issue of safety. In spite of their efforts, tragedy struck. Many of the expedition were killed in an avalanche, including Mallory. Only a few survivors survived. When the team returned to England, a banquet was held in their honour. The leader of the survivors stood up, And acknowledged the uh, the applause of the people in attendance. He looked at the pictures of his comrades that were displayed around the room. Choking back the tears, he spoke to the mountain on behalf of Mallory and all his friends. I speak to you, Mount Everest, in the name of all brave men living and all those unborn. Mount Everest, you've defeated us once. You've defeated us twice, you've defeated us three times, but Mount Everest, we shall someday defeat you because you can't get any bigger, but we can. You see, that's the speech that we need to hold on to. You see, tragedy and disappointment will come, but it will either make you or it will break you. And if we allow it to make us, if we allow it to create a determination in our lives to say... Man, it doesn't matter even though I've failed once, even though I've failed again, even though I might have failed a third time. I will allow this. I will allow this to build me up because think, you can't get any bigger, but I can. You can't get any bigger, but I can. The obstacles in your life won't get any bigger, but you can. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I want you to quickly turn to Exodus 3 and uh, verse 1 to 13. I'm just going to whiz through this. And uh, this is about Moses and the burning bush. And we've all heard this story before. And uh, so I'll just summarize it. Basically what happened was one day Moses, it says, was tending his sheep. And uh, he was walking them along in the wilderness as they came to a mountain, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there was an angel of the Lord that appeared in the blazing fire from the middle of the bush. And Moses stood there in amazement through the bush. Even though the bush was engulfed in flames, it never burnt up. So here's Moses walking along, and he's, he's like got his sheep and his cattle and his, and his, you know, animals with him. And he's walking along, and he sees this burning bush, and he's like, whoa, hey, that's pretty cool, burning bush. Hey. But the thing is, is that it never burns up. So it says that he goes in for a closer look. Man, I've got to see what's going on here. And then the Lord speaks. Moses, Moses. Whoa, the bush speaks. Woo. Never seen that before. It's the first one for the Guinness Book of Records. And as the, as the bush speak, he said, Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Don't come any near, any closer. Take your sandals off. And it says that Moses, in verse 5, it says that Moses covered his face. He says, interesting, when God wants to come near, that often that's our response, is that we will cover up, we will run, and we will hide. Because, see, when the presence of God is in the place, that it exposes every little, every little bit, every little thing that we don't like about ourselves. And so Moses covered his face. And it says, Moses, I've seen the cry of the Israelites as they've been in slavery. I've heard their prayers. I've heard their cries. And he says in verse 8, I have come to rescue them. And Moses is there. He's knelt down. He says he's covered his face. And he's probably thinking, praise God, you've come to rescue them, Lord. That's the best thing I've heard all day. I'm right behind you, man. That is awesome. Awesome. And then the Lord says in verse 10, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And verse 11, Moses, but Moses protested to God. Hang on a minute, God. You said you have come to set the people free. Now, can you please repeat yourself? Because I didn't quite catch that last bit that you said, God, because the sheep were going crazy behind me. And I thought that you said that you wanted to send me. That's right. Sorry, God, i just, be quiet, sheep. I'm noisy as anything. And go on, you're going. Go to Pharaoh. But God, man, I've got at least five other people, God, that I could think of that would be better than what I could be. God, don't you know where I've come from? God, I was a a Hebrew boy given up because they wanted to kill me and lived with Pharaoh brought up by his daughter and tried to help my own people because because a Hebrew boy was getting beaten up. God, and I killed him. And then I had to run because Pharaoh tried to kill me. My own father-in-law, adopted father-in-law. God, don't you know what I've been through? It's got to be. God, I can think of at least five other people that would be better than I am. Why don't we just jack up another time for this burning bush experience and bring them along? And God, maybe they will go. No, I want you to go. You see, Moses was just an ordinary person. But there was a potential inside of him that God wanted to unlock. You look at Brian Houston. Had a dream, had a potential inside of him that God wanted to unlock. Pastoring the biggest church in all of Australia and all of New Zealand, over 20,000. Reinhard Bonnke preaches over 100,000 over 100, in crusades. Pastor Mike Connell brought up in little old Danny Verk, come to Hastings and his pastoring a church of 700 and going over to, to, the, to nations in Asia, seeing miracles all over the place. You know, the average size of churches in New Zealand is 50. So we're doing really well. You see, ordinary people that allow God to unlock a potential in their life. Ordinary people who had a dream and allowed God to unlock a potential in their life. You see, it's never too late. It's never too late. It doesn't matter about age. It's never too late. See, Ephesians 1 verse 17 says this. Asking God, the glorious Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom, and insights so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that you will learn that your hearts will be flooded with light. So that you can understand the, the uh, confident hope he has given you. That you are called to be his holy people and rich in his glorious inheritance. So it says that we are rich in His gl- and, and we are his glorious inheritance. We are God's inheritance. We are. You are sitting right there. God's inheritance. You know what that means? When people get inheritance, they get their, they get their fathers or grandparents, or whatever, they get their prized possessions. And, and the thing is about inheritance is that inheritance should always be a blessing. You know, for my inheritance when I die, there's no way I want my kids to have debt and to receive an inheritance from me that's full of debt and things that they've got to pay back. See, I want my life to be financially set up well, that when when, when I die, that the inheritance that my children get will be a blessing to them. See, we are God's inheritance to be a blessing to this nation, to this place in this city of Hawke's Bay, because we are God's inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the In the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler and authority and power or leader or anything else. Not only in the world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he has made him the head over everything for the benefit of the church. See, God has given us authority over everything. And that the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. See, we're filled everywhere with himself because we are God's inheritance. We are God's inheritance. Whether you realize it or not, we're all in full-time ministry, friends. See, the problem is we think, oh, you're paid, you're full-time ministry. No, no, we're all full-time ministry. We're all called to be ministers out in the community. We're all called to unlock the hidden potential in our lives and to be ones who would go and breathe life, to be ones who would go and change a school as you start to believe in yourself, as you start to believe that God has placed something inside of you. Amen? You know, I believe that there's three keys to unlocking hidden potential. First one is this, is that every you need a mentor. It's really important that you have somebody who you're looking up to who can help develop your life. Somebody who will speak into your life. Somebody who will call forth the best out of your life. Somebody who will see the hidden potential in your life. Somebody who will help you unlock that. Friends, if you're following somebody who doesn't speak life into you, if you're following somebody who doesn't doesn't see your hidden potential, doesn't help you and give you opportunities to unlock that, then you need a new mentor. Let me challenge you. Who is your mentor if you don't have one? For us, Pastor Mike, we are where we are spiritually because of Pastor Mike and the privilege of being under his anointing and under his ministry. He is one of our mentors. The other one is Pastor Andrew Shepherd, who's one of the most recognized kids pastors in Australia. Our kids ministry is where it is because of him, because of what he's inputted into our life. Who is your mentor? Who is it that you've placed and you've given your life to and say, man, I just want to be under you. I just want to, I just want to learn everything you've got. Just let me serve you in any way I can so that I can learn and and so I can get more, so that I can develop more. And see, it's not about getting up there and doing all the glamour stuff. It's about faithfully serving first in the little, then you will receive much. It's about allowing somebody to unlock the hidden potential in your life, somebody to unlock the things and see the things that God's called you to be. Joshua had Moses. Elisha had Elijah. Elijah. Joshua was the one that entered the promised land after 40 years of hanging around in the wilderness with Moses. But you know what? In that 40 years, he used it to learn and to develop his life and to learn faith in God. Elisha gave up everything, dropped everything to go and hang out with Elijah and follow him. And it says when Elijah died, Elisha got double portion of his anointing. You see, who is your mentor? Who is your mentor? Who is the one that will speak in and help unlock? The second thing is it's important we learn how to meditate. You know, I'm not talking about the uh, sitting there and the home meditating. I'm talking about meditating is about aligning yourself with what, the, with what God says about you. Meditating is about allowing your life and just starting to dream again. See, we're so busy in life that we don't allow ourselves times just to sit and just to meditate and just to allow God to show us what he's called us to be. We don't, have, we don't allow ourselves time because of the busyness of life just to sit there and just start to dream about what you could do. Just start to dream about what you could be. You see, in Joshua 1, it says, Study the book of instructions continually, meditating on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. As you meditate, you'll start to believe. As you believe, you'll start to desire. As you desire it, you'll start to get it. You know the thing with meditating, your imagination? Is your imagination will eventually collide with reality. And so as you start to imagine things you start to picture yourself, you know, with with what God's called you to be, as God starts to show you, you start to allow that to develop in your life, then it will collide with reality, and one day you'll walk in it as you start to meditate your mind on it, continually just dreaming about it. You know, I got this story about a guy, and his mate wanted to get him in trouble with his boss, so what he did was he went up to his boss and said, Hey boss, you know, our workmate, Every time I walk past, past his office, all he's ever doing is doing nothing. And he's just staring out the window. You know what his boss said? Leave him alone because the other day he came up, came up with an idea that saved this company 300000 Let him look out the window. As he was dreaming, as he was meditating, as he was allowing God to creatively speak. See, man, that's probably more than what he has to pay him for years. If he comes up with that every six months, it will be looking good. As you start to meditate, as you start to dream, as you start to allow God to see, God's a creative God. God has an answer for everything. God will show you creatively how to achieve the thing that you desire. God will show you creatively as you start to meditate on it and allow Him to speak. He will creatively show you how you can achieve that. But the problem is we just feed ourselves. When we relax, we sit in front of the box. And we don't feel any good afterwards. Or we sit there and listen to music that's not overly great either. We've got to meditate. have got to have a mentor. You've got to meditate. The last thing is, is that the words you speak over your life. You know, we all know Proverbs eighteen twenty one says what? Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Well done. Give yourself a pat on the back for that one. Excellent. The words you speak. You know, we've heard it all before. But you see, I don't really believe we really realize the power of words. See, the words have life or death. And as you start to speak over your life, you can either speak potential in your life or, can you, or you can destroy your life. You can either speak potential. Because see, what happens is when you speak, it releases either an attack from the enemy or it releases a blessing into people's life. You've got to realize when you say a harsh word about somebody that it releases death into their life. When you speak a life, it releases blessing. And you see, the enemy realizes the power of this because we were at a school a couple of years ago and we were talking about the whole thing, about you can do anything, man. You can be great. You can take this nation, blah, blah, blah. And then two minutes out of the door, the principal is there, barreled up two kids and just totally nailed them and spoke death into them. See, every seed that we had sown... The enemy, straight away, two minutes later, comes to destroy it. Because, you see, there's people here and you've spoken words over your life. I hate myself. I hate the way I look. I hate the way I do that. I hate the way I'm not any good at school. You're speaking death over your life, friends. You're speaking death over your life. God wants you to unlock your hidden potential. You've got to start to believe how many people actually know what God says about you how many people actually know what the Bible says that you're called to be and that you're called to do? So you've got to spend time looking at at the Word of God, meditating on it day and night, and then you will receive it. See, look at the Word of God. I I encourage you, do a study, have a look, go through your concordance or something and have a look. All the things that God says that you're called to be. Greater is He who's in you than He who's in the world. Greater things you will do than what I did. He says you start to look at at what the Bible says. You start to look at what God says about you. And then you start to speak life into you. You start to speak life into you. You see, the thing is about it as New Zealanders, it doesn't become normal for us. That is not a normal thing because Kiwis, as Kiwis, we love to put down, we love to find the negative in everything. You see, even in joking, the thing with joking, friends, is that when we joke about somebody, it's always put down. It's always about putting someone down, whether you intentionally mean it or not. I was, in a, I was around at a friend's house a while, quite a while ago, and the, the jokes that were going around about each other, man, I just had to get out of there because it was just negative the whole time. It was always negative. And, you know, if, and I mean, I struggle with it at times as well because it's so a part of New Zealand culture that we have to work hard about speaking life into yourself firstly and then speaking life into each other. Because you know what, friends? It doesn't come normal. You know the way I can tell that it's not a natural thing for us is because when you do it, you feel weird. And I I encourage our team, all the time we've got to speak life into the kids, every opportunity, every opportunity, every opportunity, because they're getting death all week. And we've got to speak life as much as we can. But when you do, it just feels weird. But yet, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do, is we, we aren't called to live of this world. We're called to be different. We're called to live by the standards that God sets, not by the standards that the world sets. We're called to be different. Even when you stand out and look different, even when it feels unnormal, you're still called to do that. So to speak life into you, into yourself, and into other people is something that you have to really work on developing in your life, because like I said, it doesn't come normal doesn't come natural. And so what we do at kids in our kids' ministry is we'll just go up to a child and we'll just speak, man, you're cold, man. You are awesome. Man, I love your haircut, man. You're so, you're wicked. Man, God's got a big calling on your life when you see their face. Why? Life. It's about life. You know, I tell our King's kids guys, man, you guys have got to speak life into those three and four-year-olds. Do they understand the words you're saying? No, they don't. But we're not, we're not talking to their head knowledge. We're talking to their spirit and calling it to come forth. You're, you're, you're communicating into this spirit man and telling it to live in Jesus' name. Telling it to live in Jesus' name. You know, Ben, Man, I love the way you, on, on, when you're on the platform, man, you're just totally radical. You're totally out there. and I love that about you. People probably look at you and think, look, he's just been showy. But man, it's the passion of the Lord, the passion that you have for God. And don't ever, ever, ever stop doing it. Don't ever stop doing it. Because man, if I think if I was called, if I was a musician and I could sing, I'd want to be like you. Honestly, man. But I just don't look as cool as you do when you're doing it. So man, keep doing it. 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 You know, Alex, man, one thing I like about you is I love your passion. I love your excitement. I love your willingness to serve. And... and You know, you're just always so bubbly. You're always so excited. You know, what I really believe is that out of that excitement, there's going to be so many people that will be drawn to you because of the passion in the life that you have and the way you enjoy life, that people will be drawn to you. And from that, you'll have opportunities to speak into their life. From that, you'll have opportunities to start to talk. And people will come to you with all sorts of issues. And you'll be thinking, man, what is it about me? It's about what you carry. It's not about what you know or don't know. It's about what you carry. And so just keep doing that. Don't ever let life weigh you down, because the thing that people love about you is your excitement and your passion and your hunger for the Lord. Amen? Keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. See, it's as simple as that. Speaking life. Speaking life. And if you could see their faces when I was doing it. Why? Because you're calling them to come forth. See, we've really got to get a handle on the whole thing of the power of our words. Amen?